Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. Listening to a special episode, because today, I'm high. Hi. See a six-foot man shrink to six inches before your very eyes. So. Except not really. Yesterday I was like kind of stressing out, not because there was anything. I didn't have this feeling of like the walls closing in. Lately I've just been so in my head about like getting shit done and trying to be as wildly productive as possible. And uh, yesterday was Friday and on Thursday I had received an advance review copy of the forthcoming novel by Don Winslow. And I was super stoked to get it, and um, yesterday, on Friday, I read like 200 pages out of it. I wrote 10 pages in some fiction thing that I'm working on. I scripted most of a podcast episode, and then I came home from the coffee shop pretty early thinking that I had to go to work. Then I got a message from my boss saying that I didn't need to go in. I was just on call. But anyway, so suddenly my evening had freed up, but now it felt like I had prematurely shifted into relaxation mode and so I like I don't know my wheels started kind of screeching because I was trying to put myself back into the gear of productivity and so I did do a little more shit but um like after a while I don't know like my brain just wouldn't settle and so I thought you know what I had like someone gave me a CBD thing recently and it worked it like relaxed me it didn't have any any kind of you know it didn't make me giggly or anything like that here's what I did I have a regular at the bar, his name is Andres, and he uh, he owns a farm where they grow CBD. So he brought me this little CBD thing, I ingested it when I got back to my apartment, and then having ingested it, and as I began to feel the, the feelings, I sat in my chair, I watched a piece of entertainment, and then I fucking went to bed. And there was no, when I was watching, whatever it was I was watching, it was a cartoon, and I wasn't like, oh, what are the themes here? What's being explored? I wasn't trying to dissect it or overthink it. I was just watching the fucking cartoon. And then I just got up and I went to bed, and I wasn't, you know, plotting out my day, uh, you know, my next day. I wasn't trying to evaluate how productive I had been that day. I was just, like, peacefully existing. So yesterday, I, I had a very productive, like, you know, first half of my day and then a mildly productive late afternoon, and then I thought, like, I'm not gonna be able to turn my brain off, so I'm gonna go to this CBD place that is a mile up the road, and I'm gonna get some facsimile of whatever that dude gave me. So I go a mile up the road, go into this store, never been there, and um, I start, like, perusing their options. There's a deleted scene from Borat, which is so popular that, that it's often mistaken for having been part of the movie, it's this scene where Borat goes to a supermarket and, you know, he's acting like he's never been to a supermarket before. And there's a dude who works there sort of following him along, explaining the displays to him. And in this scene, Borat goes up to <laughs> some huge display of cheeses and he's like, what is this? And the guy goes, that's cheese. And then he goes, and what is this? And he goes, cheese. 
and he goes, what is this? Cheese. And it goes on and on and on. I think it's like a 15 minute clip. And that's what I was like at this dispensary place. Because I've consumed CBD on three or four occasions, but I've never actually gone to buy it. So I'm walking along this sort of glass display case that runs the entire length of the store. And I'm just like pointing at shit like, what is this? CBD. And what is this? <laughs> CBD. <laughs> and what is this? CBD. I mean, obviously there were slight variations. This is the CBD to sort of give you a, a spark so that you can focus on shit. Here's the kind that's going to bring you down and calm you, whatever. So we're going item by item by item. And then finally, I, he, I point at something. I go, what is this? And he's like, that's weed. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, don't I need a prescription? And he goes, no, it's it's like, it is weed, but it's, you know, the THC is, is reduced. It's extremely mild, but it it functions like weed, and if you've had a positive experience with weed, and you're not sure if CBD is for you, and you're, you know, you're on a budget, I would suggest just go with the weed. So I bought the weed. In the spirit of Bob Ross, I had a happy little accident. Discovered you can buy weed with for just as a, as a person. So I smoked it that night, and it is incredibly mild. It does have a sort of soothing effect, and it helped me focus on what I was watching, and it helped me just sort of pick up from what I was watching and go to bed without, you know, the intrusive thoughts of, oh, wait, maybe I can do this one more thing. So you'll have to forgive me. This episode is not really, like, prepared. It's just that um, I worked all day. We have, um, at the takeout desk, we have an employee who is 16 years old. I think that's as young as they can be. And they can't be a server. If they're 16, they have to do takeout. And there's another, there's a server who's like 25. And he was talking with her and she said something about how stressed she is between school and her job and issues with her parents and her friends, whatever. And I could see they were having like, like a playful kind of spat. And then they came up to me because I wasn't doing anything. And the guy, the server, who was 25 or so, he said to me, Alex, does it make sense to you that a teenager should be stressed out? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Like being a teenager sucks. And the young woman was, like, elated. And she's like, see, I told you. And he was incredulous. And he said, like, they don't have to do anything. Like, their life is so easy. I don't understand why a teenager can be stressed. And I hadn't really given it much thought, but, like, this was occasion to sort of consider the, the question. And it made me realize, like, how much it fucking sucked to be a teenager. Not only is the hormone shit going on, and like, you don't know who you are or what you're about or what you want to do professionally. Or if you do know what you want to do professionally, you don't exactly know how you're going to get there. But I, then I started thinking of the fact that like, if when I was a teenager, if you got into a fight with your parents, I mean, in my situation, I couldn't just leave. Like, I couldn't just walk away from the person who's bothering me, which now as a 35 year old man, like, I'm so good at walking away from my problems. <laughs> Any kind of like troubled encounter I'm having with someone almost especially when it's the kind of encounter where I should sort of face it down and work it out like I'm really good at walking away from those and as an adult I'm perfectly free to do that and then also privacy like as a teenager you don't have if you have a significant other you can't just like go someplace and be alone together whether for sex or just to be alone together like you don't necessarily have a place where you can just talk shit and not worry about people hearing you through the walls Especially, like, if you're doing that at your parents' house when you're a teenager, not only is there the risk of people, your relatives, hearing you through the walls, those people, like, 
the figureheads of the household to whom that information might later be relayed, they have the, like, authority to take away privileges from you. So, like, if your dad is a huge Neil Diamond fan, and you hate Neil Diamond, you hate him so much you want to talk about it, you can't, like, have a friend over in your bedroom and be like, yo, I fucking hate Neil Diamond. Because if your sibling room overhears you, might not matter to your sibling, but your sibling goes and tells your dad, and then your dad is like, you know what? I'm not going to feed you now. I don't know. You, you can just exact some sort of consequence for your flagrant disdain of um, Neil Diamond. I was about to say, like, your flagrant disdain of whichever musician I just mentioned. Okay, I guess I am a little high. Another thing that the teenager thing reminded me of, and, like, the stressor, the stressors of being a teenager is, like, the world... I remember, I guess a way of summarizing it is just to say, like, gullibility. I remember, like, during high school orientation, the assistant principal, who incidentally, after I graduated, but prior to my going back to that high school to work as a substitute teacher, that same assistant principal had been firing, had been fired for making a student uh, strip down to his underwear in front of a classroom and then commenting on the size of his dick. Although, you know what, that's another example of what I'm talking about. Like, like when I, during my orientation, that assistant principal gave this very stern speech about how if any of us was caught with marijuana, we would, like, face the highest possible consequences of the law, that the school doesn't even discipline you, they bring in the police immediately without question. And when he said that, I was like, oh, fuck, I better not do marijuana. But now, looking back, like, that wouldn't happen. They're not gonna fucking, like, maybe the cop who's already on campus is gonna come and say something. But, like, but the the thing, what I was, the way I was gonna equate it to that issue of this assistant principal, like, humiliating, publicly humiliating that student, is, like, that student who, you know, I guess was 14, 15, 16, something like that, the assistant principal told him, in front of the classroom, like, I have to search you. And then he proceeded to search this kid in front of everyone, and then proceeded to say, oh, I need, I need you to drop your pants in front of everybody. Like, the reason the kid did it is because when you're young and impressionable, authority figures just, they tell you what the limits of their power is, and very often they lie about the limits of that power. Like, now, if you're like, as an adult, if someone said, if a, a, an alleged authority figure told you to strip down in front of a classroom of your peers, you'd probably be like, do I have, like, you would challenge it at least. I remember when I was a teenager going out to lunch with somebody who was, um, who was a lawyer, and he told me this story about, like, when he was younger, when he was a criminal defense attorney, he had a client, this guy was walking through the airport, and this is the 80s, this guy's walking through Miami International Airport, and he's carrying a duffel bag. And a cop comes up to him and he says, Sir, can I look inside the bag? The guy says, Yeah, sure. So he opens the bag and the cop looks inside the bag and there's like two kilos of cocaine. So the dude gets arrested. This lawyer I know was appointed to talk with that guy. And he says to him like, You knew you had two kilos of cocaine in your bag. Cop came up and said, Hey, can I look inside your bag? Why'd you say yes? And the dude goes, I didn't know that I couldn't. And everyone at the table started cracking up, but I was a teenager and I remember vividly thinking like, is, is that not the case? <laughs> so I think that's another part of being like a teenager that's terrifying is like, you realize as an adult that everyone kind of fibs, and so, especially when it comes to questions of like, 
what they've accomplished and how respected they are or how respectable and you know capable they are and if they have in their life some degree of power they will usually lie to you or embellish you know the details of that power almost everybody does that and i think one of the things that makes the world so terrifying when you're a teenager is that like when they do that to you you believe them we realize as you get older is that very few people have any power over anything and they but they just sort of they they weave the story of their life in a certain way is to make it seem that they do but when you're a teenager you don't really know that yet and you just sort of take everyone at their word or maybe i did it because i'm totally prepared to like face the the idea that i was like particularly stupid and gullible so yeah, the world just seems really big and scary, and um, I know this is like persona non grata and should not be invoked in, in any sort of like manner of praise at the moment, but I remember when J.K. Rowling finished her book, um, the first book that she was publishing after she had finished all the Harry Potter novels, it was called A Casual Vacancy, and it was, I wouldn't say it was like an adult novel, but it was sort of was very socially conscious it was kind of dickensian and it was about poverty and drug use and stuff and i think the larger cast of characters it was all adults working class adults but basically the central character was a 16 year old and when rowling was being interviewed by charlie rose um another person in Angrada, wow he said to her like you just spent so many years writing about teenagers why in this first novel that you're directing toward an adult audience with adult themes and stuff, why are you using a teenage avatar? And Rowling said that, you know, she's interested in certain themes, and she wants to be able to explore those themes sort of philosophically, I guess, in her fiction. But she says that, you know, there it's really only like 15, 16, 17-year-olds who will, like, go and sit on a bench and question the meaning of life. Now, I think she was being a little bit cynical there. I have found, as I've gotten older, that, like, pretty much everyone has that philosophical bone in their body. And they, the older they get, the, the, the more eager and cooperative they are in sort of addressing those philosophical ideas of, like, what's, what is good and evil and what is a, a well-lived life, a virtuous life, etc., Oh, speaking of which, there's a great line in that um, that Don Winslow novel that I got an early copy of where um, this guy is saying that he's going to do this one immoral thing just to help out his family, whatever, and the, the older man to whom he's speaking says, you, you, can never, you can never rent out your soul. All you can do is sell it, and then after you've sold it, you don't get it back. Anyways, and it's kind of what my colleague, the older server, was talking about when he was deriding the idea that teenagers have anything to worry about. His argument is that, as adults, we are concerned with matters of survival. Making enough money that we can, like, get health insurance and pay our bills and everything. And I think that he is so beset with frustrations that stem from those concerns that he kind of resents anyone claiming to be stressed out who isn't similarly beset with those concerns, if that makes sense. Anyways, another thing I mentioned at the start of this episode that one of the things this semi-weed helped me to do was focus on a movie. So I, in November, it looks like I'm interviewing a filmmaker named Charles Band. He is the man behind Full Moon films or full moon productions they make horror movies very indie straight to video horror movies that were very popular in like the late 80s and on through the 90s although he still makes shit in the 21st century he's had some notable titles he cast gary Busey in ginger dead man i think he's made five or six evil bong movies 
He also brought those two masterpieces together in Gingerbread Man versus the Evil Bong. It's interesting. I'm, I'm interested. He, he's got a memoir coming out in November, and I got my copy of it, and I, I think I'm going to interview him via Zoom. And there are so many movies from that studio, and last night I watched the what I think is one of the most famous, which is Puppet Master. The first Puppet Master movie came out in 1989, and I never, I never watched it. And I think that in the 30 years since it was released... There have been 16 sequels. So basically a sequel like every two years consistently. And I was thinking like, that'd be that'd be very cool if I was like, if I could get on board with this and I really dug the franchise and then I had something to look for, a new chapter to look forward to every two years or so. So that's sort of, it's a, a side project that I'm tackling in the evenings is trying to watch a bunch of these old indie um, horror movies. I will... I'll try to keep you somewhat appraised of how that's going and otherwise just been reading a lot writing a lot and I wanted to have a quick stone word with you so until then and until the next episode which will be a proper full scripted episode I bid you adieu thank you for listening I'll talk to you next time been listening to the thousand movie project podcast and if you like the show and plan on sticking around you'll be hearing a lot more of it in weeks to come since for at least a while i'm going to be working on the podcast as a kind of part-time job and if you'd like to support the show and me in that respect you can check out the patreon page at patreon.com forward slash thousand movie project where there are four tiers of rewards or if you'd like a free way to support the show you can go to iTunes or Apple Podcast and leave a favorable review. I just saw there's like 34 positive reviews and each one bolsters our standing in the charts and helps to attract more listeners. It bolsters visibility. So that would be a tremendous help. And if you point me toward your positive review, I'll be sure to send you one of the rewards that you might otherwise get for becoming a Patreon donor. Yes, if you leave a positive review for Thousand Movie Project Podcasts on iTunes, Send it my way through Instagram or the website, and I will send you a handwritten doodlesome thank you note. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.